I want to actually start by uh, going back three years ago to this moment when Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, goes on MSNBC. We're looking at every app in detail. What is it doing? Is it doing what it's saying it's doing? Is it meeting the privacy policy that they're stating, right? And so we're all- You're nodding, so I know you remember this. (laughs) Yep. That's Mike Isaac. He covers tech for the New York Times. He knows this moment well, because in this interview, Tim Cook does something unusual. He's talking to Chris Hayes and Kara Swisher about privacy. This was just after people's personal data from Facebook was exposed in the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Big scandal. And Kara says, what would you do? What would you do? What would I do? Um, I wouldn't be in the situation. <laughs> what, did, what did you think then? Because I, I was like, whoa, that is aggressive for a CEO to say. I mean, you know, you and I have both been covering business stuff for a long time, and it feels really out of the norm for a CEO to just lob a grenade that um, aggressively at another CEO, you know, that is not necessarily, at least at that time, a direct competitor. What Cook was doing was starting a fight between Apple and Facebook, and by extension, between himself and Mark Zuckerberg over privacy. I think Tim Cook does actually believe um, at least some of this philosophy around privacy and that um, how some of the ad tech companies work in particular is more invasive than he would ever want his own company to be. This fight came to a head this week when Apple released its new operating system, a system that could begin to change the Internet that we've all largely given into the one where we trade our personal data for free services. You know, the one that is Facebook's business model. So this is both a clash of internet philosophies and just a good old-fashioned brawl. I was talking to an executive at a different company a little while ago when the Apple Facebook stuff started going on. I was like, "What what is this? Like, why are they fighting? It seems like out of nowhere. And this person was saying, look, it's just business when your competitor's on the ropes like Facebook is. Throwing a few punches at them is just the way to go. Today on the show, which version of the internet do you want? Apple's, where you pay a premium for privacy, or Facebook's, where everything is free, but you are constantly tracked. I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick with us. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Coming soon from Slate Podcasts. So 
First, it was Dade County. Voters in the Miami area repealed civil rights for gay people by a two-to-one margin. In the late 1970s, cities around the country began rolling back anti-discrimination laws that protected gay people. And then it was Wichita, St. Paul, Eugene. Successful campaigns against the gay community which shocked us all. A state senator from California watched the laws fall and saw an opportunity. Homosexuality is a most repulsive lifestyle. His name was John Briggs, and he wanted to deliver the anti-gay movement its biggest prize yet. California realized that they were coming for us. I'm Christina Cotarucci. This season on Slow Burn, we'll explore how a nationwide backlash against gays and lesbians led to a massive showdown in California. Now it's something called Proposition 6, the Briggs Initiative. It would call for firing any teachers in California who practice homosexuality. Your life as you knew it would be destroyed. We've got to fight back. We can't let this happen in California. The Briggs Initiative would be the first statewide vote on gay rights. With so much at stake, young people became activists. We were all coming out all day long, every day. (laughs) And activists became leaders. My name is Harvey Milk, and I'm here to recruit you. Slow Burn, Season 9, Gays Against Briggs. Out May 22nd, wherever you listen. If we lose here, it'll be 50 years before we ever get back up again. Like the drag queens say, take out the earrings, sharpen the nails. There ain't no going back. To understand how the fight between Apple and Facebook started, we have to talk about advertising. Specifically, advertising technology. Ad tech. Facebook and a lot of other companies make money by selling targeted advertising based on your data. Data gathered when you're using their sites or apps. And then, crucially, data gathered when you're not, when they track you to other places on the internet. There are ad tech companies that are out there outside of or adjacent to Facebook that essentially um, follow your footprint around the internet. When you're using you know, Facebook, but then leave to go do something else and try using another app. They're still watching you. They're still registering what you're interested in. 100%. Basically, there's never enough data to satisfy how much advertising companies want to know about you. Um, For a long time on operating systems like iOS, you've been able to turn this off, but it was really buried in a feature deep in some submenus, and most people never even tried to get that. And this week, after months of preparation, Apple rolled out an operating system update that makes it a lot easier to opt out of being tracked. Now what's happening is essentially... This prompt, this little window can pop up in new apps that you downloaded and essentially say, do you want to opt out of being tracked? Do you want to be tracked around the internet or not? Yeah, I put the new iOS on my phone and it's just like this little box of text. Yeah. And yet I feel like somehow that little pop-up encapsulates several years of fighting between these two companies and two pretty distinctly different versions of what the internet should be. Mark Zuckerberg is this guy who has created an an app and company that is completely founded on the idea of it being free and you're not paying upfront for using it like you would going to, um, I don't know, going to see a movie or something. Your very presence is your payment. 
And the, the thinking behind that is essentially the internet information should be free because the more uh, access that people have to information and um, different parts of the internet, the better society is. That's a thesis that I think could be challenged, but at the same time, you know, that's for better or worse, that's his point of view. Apple essentially takes a much more conservative approach to it and saying, you know, essentially for this premium paying up front, um, you know, if it's an iPhone for a thousand bucks, 1200 bucks or whatever, we're going to give you something which is much more tailored and a better experience for you, meaning you're going to be able to use the internet on Safari or on use different apps on your phone without the level of invasive tracking that other apps do to you outside of here, essentially. These philosophical differences weren't always so pronounced. For a while, Apple focused mostly on hardware, Facebook, on social media. They were more coexisting than competing. Years ago, when Steve Jobs was alive and Zuckerberg was younger and not the like sort of powerhouse that Facebook is now, it, it was more of a collegial sort of relationship. You know, they'd go on the, 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 the walks in Silicon Valley under the apricot trees sort of thing, that very sort of trite activity that a lot of CEOs started doing. And Jobs could give Zuckerberg advice and they saw each other more as peers, but not ones that were up against each other. But over the years, things changed. After Steve Jobs died, Tim Cook took over and Facebook stumbled again and again in a series of public scandals. Tim really doesn't care for Facebook's business model. I think 2017, after learning that Facebook was essentially a clearinghouse for misinformation, um, that really bothered people at Apple and really and Tim in particular. And that's genuine. I, I do think it's real. I think there are other strategic business reasons for doing what they're doing, but I do think he actually believes what he's saying at the same time. You wrote about the relationship between Tim Cook and Mark Zuckerberg, but also the relationship between these two companies. How would you describe how the companies interact? Like, I think of Apple primarily as a hardware and device company and Facebook yeah. as a social media company, and yet they do lots of other things. Like, are these companies rivals? Are they symbiotic? What are they? Totally. I, th I think frenemies is probably the word I keep landing on. I feel like that's really like every tech company does something slightly different, but all seem to be going in the same direction as far as competing for whether that's user attention, advertising dollars, you know, purchasing devices, just sort of uh, mind share in general for people. And for a long time, Apple was this hardware and devices company. It still primarily is, obviously. They make billions of dollars selling high-end phones and computers to everyone around the world. They are starting to reach a point now where everyone already has an iPhone. <laughs> you can't like grow quarterly if everyone is already saturated with the, these expensive devices. So their services division is essentially where they're sort of pointing Wall Street to as like the future of their company. We're going to not just be a hardware company. We are going to be a software company. We're inviting you into the whole Apple universe, whether that's listening to Apple Music instead of Spotify on your iPhone, whether that's watching Apple TV instead of, you know, Amazon Fire TV. And so there's this convergence over time where companies are going to be competing for the same things. You have this anecdote in your story about this media mogul summit that happens in Sun Valley. It's yes. an annual thing. But at this particular one, 
Mark Zuckerberg asked Tim Cook how he would have handled the the fallout from Cambridge Analytica. And Tim Cook basically says, yeah, you got to blow up your business model. Delete any (laughs) any personal information. (laughs) That's so good, right? (laughs) I think that I think what is exactly the reaction that folks at Facebook probably had. So this, yeah, this moment was Allen and company have this annual thing called Sun Valley. It's this sort of billionaire retreat. You see all the, you know, folks like you and me are like, like peering over the fence, trying to see what all the billionaires are doing like with our grubby journalist mitts. They're like walking around in vests, having a good <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. So this is their little enclave to like do what they do, right? Talk about the 1% version of the world and, and Facebook and uh, Apple for a few years now have been using this retreat as like a catch up moment. And over the past few years, this was getting tense, right? The, the pot shots were now public. So Mark, as a matter of conversation, like, yeah, what would you do? You know, like just sort of the offhand comment, I think. And <laughs> so Tim responds with, yeah, essentially delete half of what you've been doing for the past 15 years or whatever, and, and just start a new or only collect data in your, in your main app. And I think Facebook, when they hear that, they're like, either this guy has no idea what we do or has a complete distaste for what we do, but clearly we're not going to get anywhere there. So they tried to move on. The meeting did not go well. If anything, it, it got worse over the past two years, basically. This thing that was supposed to be a come to Jesus moment ended up being more of a falling out. When we come back, what Apple stands to make financially from pushing privacy. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Apple, for a while now, has said privacy is its thing. I mean, I think back to the 2015 San Bernardino shooting when the FBI said, we would like you to unlock this suspect's phone for us. And Apple said no. Yeah. It, you know, that was crazy, too. In the in the face of a lot of criticism. And yet they have said privacy is our calling card to some extent. I was living in New York at the time, and the reactions to... Apple's position were so polarized. Like everyone I talked to in, in tech in California were like, yeah, Apple, you know, they're, they're doing the right thing. They're standing up for user privacy. And everyone I talked to in New York was like, Apple is siding with terrorists. What is going on? Right. Like, this is not the way to go. That's the thing though. Like 
there are ways to do that sort of deal where you sort of acquiesce to the FBI without telling people, right? Like, or just sort of letting it happen under the table. And, you know, a lot of companies submit to data requests on users all the time that we don't hear about. So Apple coming out strong under Cook and saying, we are not going to do this and we are publicly blowing it up. Like that was absolutely a statement. It's tempting to see this battle between two tech giants as privacy good, Facebook bad. But plenty of online businesses rely on advertising and therefore ad tech to exist. I mean, look, I think, I mean, ad supported businesses are key to how a lot of the current internet functions. For most of the internet's existence, or at least the past 20 years, let's say, a lot of how people consume things was buttressed by advertising, right? And so um, whether you hate advertising or love it, it was just sort of part of the value proposition between viewing something or using something for free and, and being able to monetize it. Facebook's argument around, you know, keep the internet free for customers Sounds a little bit duplicitous from them, but there is a uh, there is an undercurrent of truth in that. Like this is how we've kept things free for a long period of time. Companies were able to collect unlimited amounts of information on users, and that's starting to change. And people are going to, the more they learn about it, then they can decide how they feel about it. And I'm very curious what people do at that point, and if they do care about privacy in greater numbers or not. Yeah, each of these companies is saying kind of, oh, we're here to defend consumers or, oh, we're here to defend small businesses. Um, They are companies. They do exist (laughs) to make money. I noticed that the opinion side of your newspaper sort of laughed at that and said, like, this is not, you know, a tiny farmer against a mega corporation. (laughs) They called it Goliath versus Goliath. That's exactly right. Look, like a great deal of this is posturing and marketing and making it a selling point based on each company's business model. There's a reason that Apple has leaned into we care about privacy so much over the past few years. It's a selling point. Like they have this on posters and ads now. This was part of their last WWDC developer conference presentation. At Apple, we believe privacy is a fundamental human right. It's literally into how they sell the phone now. All of our product work is grounded in a set of privacy principles. We use innovative technologies and techniques to minimize the personal data we or anyone else can access. Second, And same with Facebook. Facebook has Sheryl Sandberg, who's going to be on Facebook's earnings call this week, will hammer the point that small businesses are crucial to Facebook and, and selling your stuff online, especially during a pandemic. We are here for that. Facebook is here for that. And you should do that here. Yeah. I mean, look, our business is small business. We put free tools out there and we sell advertising. And we should think a little bit about the role of personalized ads in this. These beliefs don't come from nowhere. Like I do think that at their core, both CEOs or both sides of executives believe in what they're doing. It's just um, how that manifests in the real world is also obviously beneficial to their businesses. I'm going to go back to another moment in your story um, where Mark Zuckerberg is asked about Apple on an earnings call. And he says, we increasingly see Apple as one of our biggest competitors. And Tim Cook in an interview with The Times, it's like, yeah, if I was asked about their biggest competitors, they wouldn't be listed. So good. (laughs) And I know that someone on Twitter said this to you, but it is very reminiscent of that moment in Mad Men 
<laughs> I don't think about you at all. <laughs> yeah. Ginsburg says to Don on the elevator, I feel bad for you. And Don says, I don't think about you at all. That's I didn't even put that together, but that's really good. I think that's, I mean, it's a power move, right? I disagree with him because I do think there are a lot of places they compete. I do think they are competitors, even though it's not as obvious to maybe most of us. But um, but yeah, that's that's really just him trying to win the fight and, and doing it pretty well, I think. You think Apple wins this fight? There are a zillion companies right now trying to figure out workarounds to what Apple's doing. Um, and it might be just whack-a-mole. Apple might find those. And if they violate the spirit of what Apple's doing, they might ban them or something. But again, you know, for as much as Facebook has been pilloried for the past five years, let's say people are using the apps more than ever, right? Like um, the Instagram, people are glued to Instagram. WhatsApp is um, indispensable in most of the countries outside of the U.S. Both companies still kind of win, but Facebook's job is probably going to be much more difficult in some ways, in, in some ways that it hadn't been in the past. Mike Isaac, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mike Isaac reports on tech for The New York Times. All right, that's the show. TBD is produced by Ethan Brooks and edited by Allison Benedict and Tori Bosch. Alicia Montgomery is the executive producer for Slate Podcasts. TBD is part of the larger What Next family, and it's also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. And I want to recommend that you take some time to listen to Thursday's episode of What Next. It is an absolutely crushing look inside India's COVID crisis, from desperation in the wards to how the data barely even tells a fraction of the story. What next? We'll be back on Monday. Have a good weekend. I'm Lizzie O'Leary. Thanks for listening. Coming soon from Slate Podcasts. So, first it was Dade County. Voters in the Miami area repealed civil rights for gay people by a two-to-one margin. In the late 1970s, Cities around the country began rolling back anti-discrimination laws that protected gay people. And then it was Wichita, St. Paul, Eugene. Successful campaigns against the gay community, which shocked us all. A state senator from California watched the laws fall and saw an opportunity. Homosexuality is a most repulsive lifestyle. His name was John Briggs, and he wanted to deliver the anti-gay movement its biggest prize yet. California realized that they were coming for us. I'm Christina Cotarucci. This season on Slow Burn, we'll explore how a nationwide backlash against gays and lesbians led to a massive showdown in California. Now it's something called Proposition 6, the Briggs Initiative. It would call for firing any teachers in California who practice homosexuality. Your life as you knew it would be destroyed. We've got to fight back. We can't let this happen in California. The Briggs Initiative would be the first statewide vote on gay rights. With so much at stake, young people became activists. We were all coming out all day long, every day. (laughs) And activists became leaders. My name is Harvey Milk, and I'm here to recruit you. 
Slow Burn, Season 9, Gaze Against Briggs. Out May 22nd, wherever you listen. If we lose here, it'll be 50 years before we ever get back up again. Like the drag queens say, take out the earrings, sharpen the nails, there ain't no going back.